What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Ranger tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? Hmm. You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. We're talking wads here, ladies and gentlemen. Game Time is the leader in the last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. It's just that easy. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download the GameTime app in the App Store or Google Play and work that clock to your advantage and score last-minute tickets. Okay, big podcast for you guys today. Vlad Nemestikov gets traded during our Rick Carpinello interview. So if you want to listen to that, it's midway through the podcast. And also, we come back and talk a little bit of our reaction to what we think will happen in the Vlad fallout. All right, before we get to the show, of course, as always, the captain himself, Mark Messier. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am Ryan Mead of the... Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan, also of theathletic.com. Gregory, say hello. So I was on Twitter today. Okay. <laughs> as in, I was on Twitter right now, and I found something that normally we would have started this podcast with. Yes, but we I'm cannot. I'm not sure it's appropriate anymore now is, that we're with the athletic. It is not. Uh, people were wondering what we were talking about uh, last week. Well, I'm going to send you a screenshot because this is 100% going to be our nonsense at the end today. Okay. And I just want you to know, Ryan. Yes. As I hit send on this and it comes to your phone. Yes. Riveting. The restraint I had Riveting. from just reading you this question. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. All right. We can't talk about this on this show. But uh, we will. No, we will. No. Just I... not yet. I can the first episode? <laughs> they know what they were going to get to, no, right? We got to give it them I, goods. I don't know if they read the whole thing. Anyway, welcome to the Blue Shirts Breakaway, brought to you by The Athletic. That's right, everyone. The secret we were keeping from you this whole time. 
was that we joined The Athletic. We were going to have Rick Carpinello of said former website we just mentioned on that's today. That's our co-worker, Rick Carpinello. Oh, yeah, that's our co-worker, Rick Carpinello, in case you were, like, wondering. Because, you know, my co we're equals now. It's really nice. But uh, welcome to the number one New York Rangers podcast. We have a lot to go over as the season has started, Gregory. And what a way to start the season from the both of us by attending the first game. One of us, maybe in a little more t- attire than the other. That's all. And, uh, Greg, why don't you describe what it was like walking behind me uh, at the game on Thursday? Hell. Hell. It was like hell. Mm. Okay. It's just, here's here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. I, I understand everything you're doing. Okay. And at the same time, I'm happy about it because it's, it's brand awareness, right? It, it's creating a buzz about the thing you and I do together, as well as our friends, Bob and Nick, who were there with us as well. Right. But it, it's, I'm never going to discourage you from doing it. At the same time, I don't think there's anything I've ever encountered in my entire life that has brought me more <laughs> internal pain than watching people walk up to you and giving you the ultimate compliments. So it, a, uh, a lot of praise be, a lot of pictures, a lot of, a lot, spre- of, a, a lot of spreading the good word. The Finnish yeah. media came up and quoted us and they were like, you work for who? The athletic. And I was like, yeah, that's true. So, um, uh, yeah, yep. Uh, but that happened, but still my, the favorite people new, are the wait, people for new listeners, complete... Gregory, hold on. People might not know. Okay. We're on like a whole new platform now. Hello, everyone. Oh, boy. Yeah. Right. That's weird. We have a new audience. Um, for people that might not know, we started a thing called church of Kako and that's where we worship our Lord and savior, Kapo Kako, praise be. And I have an attire cause I'm the Capope. And we walk around and we spread the good word. We sometimes we sell merch on churchcaco.com, so go check that out. That's my only plug for the day. But uh, keep, where were you, Gregory? Before I rudely interrupted you to inform our new listeners. All I was gonna say, the people that brought me the greatest joy weren't the people that recognized you. The people that recognized you pained me because it just I want to thank breaks my heart every that single you're one a, of those people. Celebrity. We took like 250 pictures spreading the good word of, of Capo Caco out yeah. there. Like, like I said, really pains me that you're a celebrity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was the people that had no idea you existed. And they would do the casual, well, that attire is weird. And they would give you a look. And then you could see on their face the half second of thought that they all just had. Yes. And they would do a double take on like, wait, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then it would just be, it would be me being like, I know, I, I know. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it, but just understand that I know. Uh, let's get to the actual game itself because I, I do have some, you got everything you wanted pretty much, except for a Cabo Caco goal out of that game. You watched the Jets, it was opening night. Jets were coming in hungry, obviously with Neil Pianca, the first power play. Couldn't ask for anything more from the Jets. Jets have had a tough start to the season. If you want to listen to more of that, we're going to have our good friend Marat on our, our, uh, athletic episode later this week, which will be on the athletic feed. And, uh, we're going to talk about that game, uh, that game along with the Islanders and Devils game with him. But the Jets are having a little bit of a hard time off to uh, a semi-rough start. And they ran into a Rangers team, which was heavily energized with a lot of new faces who all contributed for the most part. Artemi Panarin scored a goal. Jacob Truba scored a goal. Because the Bitterjad let lit the entire building on fire and continued to do so in the next game. We'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, you, It was a back-and-forth game. Every time the Rangers scored, the Jets scored right back. You couldn't ask for anything more. And... What If you had to have a biggest takeaway, Gregory, what would it have been? I think opening night was the perfect encapsulation of everything we should expect from the New York Rangers in 2019-2020. It, it, it literally checked every box. You had really fun power play unit. 
which we're going to get into in great detail because Jesus Christ, excuse me, Capo Caco. Capo Caco, uh, thank you. We had no shortage of entertainment, just nonstop, something happening at all times. And you also had just defensive zone failure after def- defensive zone failure. Now, they did clean some of it up in the Ottawa game thanks to some reactionary coaching, quite honestly, from Quinn and staff to change up those lines. But I think if if any game best summarized opening night, I mean, if, if any game best summarized what we should expect of the Rangers this season, it was opening night. This Rangers offense, when it's going full tilt, it's going to keep you in games. It's going to keep you invested, and it's going to make you feel like there is no deficit too big to overcome if you're a New York Ranger fan. And that's great. At re- really, in a rebuilding season, which this still is for the Rangers, that kind of game is all you could ask for. There will never be a game this year where the Rangers are completely out of it, right? How many times mm-hmm. over the last two years the Rangers would fall behind three goals and it would just feel like there's no coming back? This is too big a hill to climb. There's no way the Rangers are going to string together enough offense while also creating enough stops for them to get back from two goals down, let alone three goals down. And now just this top line is just so dynamic that, I don't know, if the Rangers were down 4 nothing to start a game, it would seem far-fetched that the Rangers would win it, but it wouldn't seem out of the realm of possibility that they could come back and make it a game. No, not at all. I think they have enough uh, firepower, especially on the power play, which we're going to get to. I mean, if you take a penalty, boy, you are in trouble. I mean, Mika Zavidajan is the hottest player in the NHL right now. You've seen. Like, if you haven't watched Artemi Panarin before he was a Ranger, well, now you've seen it. The guy is so absolutely crafty and is such a dangerous shot. Uh, Can create his own play. There was a play, I believe, in the Ottawa game where he, like, does, steals the puck and does a spin of Rooney and keeps the power play alive. Not power play, but the offense alive. He's just... A, a dynamic player. He's everything is advertised. And there's there's going to be some lows uh, on the team. Obviously, there's some some parts we could talk about with some of the problems with the second line. Um, do you want to get to that now? Because I, I do have a lot of sort of thoughts uh, of, of how Kako and, and Kreider really couldn't get going on either of those games. I mean, on the second game... Well, versus... but before before we get... Let, let's do good, do good news, bad news. Good news, bad news. Okay, on. that's good. So let's keep going with so good news let... then. Let's just let's let's just talk about this power play unit. How many times last year did we joke either on Twitter or on this podcast that the Rangers should straight up decline penalties? Um uh, multiple times, I'm sure. It was often. We yes. lived in a world, Ryan, where we were crying we for Kevin Hayes to get on a power play unit. We that was like a year and a half of our lives. Which yes. Was, which was crying it, for Hayes. I, I I've I can confidently say as a Rangers fan. I've never seen a top power play unit like the one the Rangers currently run out there. And it's the thing that makes it even crazier is say, say the Rangers wanted to replace Kreider with Kako on the power play unit. Lock it up. That sounds fun. (laughs) I'm ready. It sounds great. Yeah. And there's a very good possibility that before this year is over, that Kako is in the Kreider role on this power play unit. It, it's unbelievable. And it, it, it just, it's, well, it's to a point Chris where Kreider is like gone. I, I, He's I'm so traded. excited for the Rangers to draw penalties now because we're going to see Truba, Panarin, Uchnevich, Zibanejad, 
and one of Kreider or Kako. Mm. They, they just, it's not just that they create high leverage scoring opportunities. It's that opposing teams can't get the fucking puck out of the zone. It's suffocating what the Rangers do with that power play unit. They control the puck. They dominate those two minutes. If it even lasts two minutes before they score, it is a fucking nightmare now for, for opposing teams. For new listeners, um, which we may have three, congratulations, by the way, uh, you sort of called the Jacob Truba trade two years in advance where you were saying Jacob Truba will be a New York Ranger, and it kind of happened. Well, and by kind of happened, Open I mean existence, baby. 100% happened. Has he been everything you thought he'd be so far through two games? This is overreaction theater to steal another podcast's uh, segment. Yes. I what else were what else could he do you that you were expecting? Nothing. I think he's been I way better on the power night, play than I expected him to be, if I'm being honest. I, I, I expected yes. him to be this good. Uh but from everything Jets fans have told me, like he wasn't like even Barat, who's also gonna be on later, like I said, uh th- this week, came on and he was like, Yeah, he's an effective power play quarterback, but you know, he has his flaws. I don't know, he's been really good so far. I, I haven't I've had nothing to complain about with Jacob Truba through two games. I think opening night was sloppy. I think everyone defensively, it was sloppy for opening night. But Truba-Hayek pairing in Ottawa, I understand that it's Ottawa, and I understand that it's really hard to get uh, a grip on what a team can do defensively when you're playing against, quite honestly, a AHL lineup. Yeah, not great. But Truba has played as close to seamless hockey as you possibly could for your first two games as a New York Ranger. I thought he looked good with Shea. I thought he looked better with Hayek. I, I, the power play, as we've said, the best we've seen from the New York Rangers, definitely since we've been doing this podcast, definitely oh, since definitely. 2012, at least. Um, yeah, I would say so. There hasn't been that much talent on, on the power play since, until, until now. No, I feel like the rate that, well, I, and I want to give some credit just to go quick. Like, it's not like Ryan McDonough wasn't a good, you know, defenseman. He's just not like an excellent power play guy. No, no, yeah, and it's not like it, he had those, the pieces around him either. Like he had Rick Nash, and you know, it was Rick Nash was good and all, but it wasn't this level of talent. No, and as fun as Matt Zuccarello is, it, Matt Zuccarello isn't Artemi Panarin. Like every every aspect of this Ranger power play is just better, right? Buchnevich. When you're not asking him to do too much on the power play. Truba is better than D'Angelo. I do have some Booch gripes, by the way. I, and I, oh I know boy. it's very Look rare. I know. Weird, right? Uh, we're, I, not in bad, we're not in bad news yet. I know. I'm, there, so, I'm so itchy to get there. Keep going. It's just it, every, everything on the power play is an upgrade right now. And the one or two – the real one consistency that – it's two games. I understand. Mika might have the year from the heavens this year. It it just, it really does feel like mm. over the last 16 months, everything's coming together for Mika in a massive way. Rubbing my beard thinking, hmm, how could this happen? The Lord and Savior joins the team and all of a sudden Mika's Zbitterjad has the year from heavens. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Makes hmm. you think. Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes it? you think. As, as great of a year that Zibanejad had last year, and it was phenomenal. Oh, Remember, amazing! Ryan, 12, 12 months ago, let 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 let's let's take a trip down memory lane. Here. Oh, I love memory lane. Um, let's hold twelve hands, months ago, together. Yes, 
we were sitting on this podcast. This was, I feel like you and I would talk about it and get angry that we were having the conversation, but it was a very popular conversation. Well, can I guess before you ask say it? Question: If he's one C, is he is Mika Zibanejad a top line center? This was a conversation we were having, or that Rangers Twitter and Rangers media was having twelve months ago. We people didn't know if Mika Zibanejad would ever be good enough to be a number one center on a potentially playoff caliber roster. That's a real thing. People talked about at nauseum. There are articles upon articles from people we like and people we really don't care for. Everyone asked the question. It's a real thing. We're sitting here October 7th, 2019, year one of the Kako era. We're Not only are we not having that conversation anymore, it's comical that we had it. It's ridiculous that we had that conversation so recently. I I, I don't know what to compare it to in the world of sports. It's, it's like, I it, it, it seemed like a illogical conversation to have in the first place, right? It's kind of the same conversation we had this summer in regards to Jacob Truba being a top pairing defenseman. All Jacob Truba had to do to be a top pairing defenseman was to be one of the 30 best right-handed defensemen in hockey. And we decided that he was. It didn't seem like very hard a very hard challenge to say that he's comfortably in the top 30 of right-handed defensemen, which means Jacob Truba is a number one de- pairing defenseman. That's really, we, that's we're having easy conversations math. We did that already. Yes. Yeah. We were having conversations about whether Mika Zibanejad was one of the 30 best centers in the league. And really the only thing that to you and me, at least prevented us from having that conversation was his injury history. The last year plus two games, we just, we sound like idiots that we even had to have that conversation. It's funny because I feel like, and I don't know how this is possible, but he's been underrated his whole career. Like, I, uh, <laughs> What do you mean how it's even possible? We traded Derek Broussard in a seventh-round pick and got him and a second-rounder second back. Pick. Yeah, it's unbelievable that they did that. It, it looks very bad for Ottawa now, but that's Ottawa's worrying about other things, aren't they? Don't they aren't they worrying about the other 27 bad things they did? Um, <laughs> Just imagine a world where your team has Mika Zibanejad, Mark Stone, Eric Carlson, just those three guys. Mm-hmm. I We could go longer than that, but leave it at those three guys. Unreal. Okay, I got it. I got a follow-up. Imagine a world where you trade your Stanley Cup competing team, and then you don't get back Capococco, Keandre Miller, Jacob Truba, Archevi Panarin <laughs> as the other prizes when you, when you do your one-year-and-a-half-year rebuild. Ottawa did the thing we were uh, trying to do, uh, but we just did it way better than they did and they're also a small market plus they have an owner that just doesn't want to spend money so i feel i feel for the audible people and my apologies if there's any listeners uh but it's tough we did it oh let's keep on the good though uh our lord and savior capo caco praise be uh he definitely had times where he's invisible but all the analytics show that he was one of the best players in the ice the entire time he was on and well here's 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 the thing i'm, I'm gonna disagree with you on the invisible front because i i, I saw that being a popular talking point during and after the Senators game. But I, I don't know if – did you you watch the entire game? Or I watched the entire game. I was at a bar watching the entire he, thing. He was incredibly noticeable in the first period. There was a he couple times at least, he, he took the puck. He made and, two plays that yes. I can remember vividly where it seemed like the Rangers had given up on the possession and the Senators were simply trying to move the puck out of their zone. And both times, Kako came in like a bat out of hell 
kept the puck in, kept possession, and allowed the Rangers to reestablish their offensive zone. One thing I want he everyone did that at to least watch twice. very carefully, when you can, when you get to watch Capococco again this Saturday, that's right, that's ridiculous, NHL. The fact that we have to wait seven days is absolutely, it's it's unexcusable. I, I don't, and, we, and then we don't even get to watch it, like, anyway, we, um, I'm freaking out. After Saturday, we have to wait again until Thursday, then we get our first back-to-back of the season. So that's ridiculous. Uh, but poor. But with Kako himself, the one thing I want everyone to watch is he's like a vortex. He's like a black hole around the puck. Watch anyone try to take the puck from Kako. Or if anyone's near him, it's like mashing. If you've ever played Wayne Gretzky 99 hockey for the N64, and I know you all have, uh, it's like mashing the B button. He just steals all the pucks if he's next to somebody. It's unbelievable. He has more. I don't think I've seen a player with his puck possession at his age in a very long time, at least for a New York Ranger. Like, there's, I, I can't even imagine. It, every, he steals the puck every time he's near somebody. It's, uh, it's something that I, I just can't fathom, how he does it. And he's he's going to right do the thing that, that 200 hockey men really love, which is he's always going to be a menace offensively, and he's going to be a pest defensively. And that's something every hockey person, hockey fan, hockey an- analyst loves to see, right? Nobody loves watching a forward who's responsible defensively more than 200 hockey men. Uh, and I think the last piece of good news, which will transition us pretty nicely to bad news, mm-hmm. you couldn't possibly ask for more from Leas Anderson, right? Whew. It's it's very possible, even in his limited amount of ice time, that outside of the top line in Kako, Leas is the next best Ranger to start this season. I, I'm not sure he's the next best Ranger, but one thing I did like, and I, I, I know this is such a sports media guy take right away, is that there was a possession on the fourth line of the night we were there, and they, I don't think they showed it on camera, but he got so pissed after they didn't score. He hit the goal. He was, like, screaming at himself, and he was playing with a high motor. The guy is energized and ready to play. He's earned the right to at least move up to the third line, like, or the second line. I think that's where he should be, and we'll get there right now, right? Because yeah, it might as well. This, we might, I mean, this is this is the elephant in the room. This is the elephant in the room. This, like, you mentioned that Kako wasn't invisible, and I, I semi agree with you. The times that Kako is around the puck, he's unbelievable. Kreider, I, I really only saw one, one quality play from Kreider, like the in the first two games. Uh, he had like one sort of Kreider-esque breakaway where he turned on the speed and just went for it and almost ran to the goalie and crushed him as he, as he's known to do. But Ryan Strom, he's not a center. He's just not. And he can't put the puck on Kako or Kreider's stick. He can't facilitate to them in the appropriate way. He's just sort of holding them back. Yeah, he had a better second game. So our job is to criticize the team. It's sort of what we're doing. Not to criticize, but to analyze what's going on. Maybe we're overthinking it, and maybe the second line needs a little time to cook, right? Maybe they need more. But so far... I couldn't have been more unimpressed with Ryan Strom, especially in the first overall game where he had, what was it, Greg? Two penalties in like four minutes? It was Yeah, I think I even unbearable. turned to you and, and said, I think the exact words I said to you were, Ryan Strom's going to make it really easy for criticism. And he did. Uh, I mean, he, did. The, he took the really bad penalties right away. He was not really making a lot of plays. And a, a lot of this, and I, I, maybe this is unfair, maybe it's not. It's not really Ryan Strom's fault. He earned the right in camp to play second-line center. I think it was an interesting experiment. I think Quinn is trying to be crafty. I've talked about on this podcast how I think it's trying to boost Ryan Strom's value. I think that's a real thing. But 
through two games, I am not convinced that is working whatsoever. I am willing to give it a couple more games. I think Leas has earned the right already to at least give it a shot at the second line because this season's about development. I know it's early. We have 80 games left, ladies and gentlemen. 80 games. So there's a lot of time and a lot of hockey to talk about. But Leas is possibly part of the future. And by possibly, I mean it's definitely. So you want to get him up there as soon as possible to make that chemistry. And I just wonder how soon that's going to be. I, I don't even know if Leas is going to get to the third line because Brett Howden still gets favorited over over Leas, which I still don't understand. I don't know about you. It's 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 the perfect it's the perfect example to do good news, bad news, right? Because credit where credit is due. David Quinn saw how opening night went defensively for the Rangers. So he he saw the Hayek fucking struggled. There's no other way to describe it on opening night. Anytime Hayek and Fox were on the ice together, the Rangers were trapped defensively. And when you're already setting yourself up for failure in the hockey sense of the term, when you have Mark Stahl with Tony D'Angelo, Mark Stahl, a defenseman who is, if, if you really want to squint and give him credit, he's a good one-on-one -on -one defender, but he just, he can't move. And Tony D'Angelo is great with the puck, but if Tony D'Angelo doesn't have the puck, I'm, I'm still not convinced he knows how to be responsible defensively. Um, so it was, Quinn saw that Hayek Fox wasn't going to work. So what did he do? He put Trouba with Hayek and they were, they were very good against Ottawa. He put Shea with Fox. Both their plays improved against Ottawa. Credit where credit is due. He, he knew he had to make the move. He made the move. He didn't want to wait a second game. He wasn't going to let Fox and Hayek struggle for a second game. He made the switch, and the Rangers benefited from it. Which is why it's always odd that it, – it, it, it's not just Quinn who does this. I feel like sometimes other managers in other sports get caught doing this too, Right? They'll say the, the, perfect, the perfect catchphrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, the Rangers scored 10 goals in their first two games. So you would – some people would sit back and say, obviously there aren't problems with this team offensively. They're averaging five goals a game. They're making it look easy on the power play. Why not let the other lines catch up to line number one? Because one thing's working. Line number one is working. Saw a no lot of line number that. one and a lot of line number four in the Ottawa game. That was the, that was the yeah. only two lines I saw. Yeah, but it's it, it, it's it's like it's like batting someone third, even though you know you shouldn't bat them Baseball. third. But you won, so you don't want to change it because you won. It's a it's a bad reason not to change. Correlation right? doesn't prove causation winning, in that situation. Right, winning winning shouldn't be the reason why you don't make a change. You should make a change if it's warranted, and it's clear that it's warranted. At the same time, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and play devil's advocate here because please do. It's weird. Don't, don't it's say weird. that word here. We don't talk about Jackie's. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to play the other side of the coin here. Mm -hmm. Let's assume, actually, we don't even have to assume we did this with Filipino. Filipino clearly didn't earn his role in the top nine to start the season with the Rangers. He had a bad camp. We're not breaking news. We're not saying he's going to be a bust. We're just reporting the facts. So we were, and at the same time, while he had a bad camp, I know I said it, I think you said it, and I know others said it, we still would have liked to see Heedle get time on the second line to start the season. And if it didn't work after five games, make a change then, you right? Could, you could send him down. I don't know what's stopping you then. Right. We, we wanted to see something, and we wanted to be a little patient with it. Now that 
the Rangers are playing a guy on the second line who has been the butt of jokes throughout offseason, has been controversial when it comes to analytics versus eye test, it has been a universally criticized player for one thing or another. Now that it's him in this role doing kind of what we thought he would do in this role, we want to pull the trigger quickly and get him off there. I, I do think, and Rob, Rob Luker said this on, on Twitter. He deserves some credit for this. I agree with this thought, right? Patience shouldn't be universal. At the same time, I do think while things are working on the top line, me personally, when the top line's clicking, that's when you should be experimenting. But if you're David Quinn and your top line is working and you're trying to buy Strom two more games to get it going, well, the, if he's, it's really one of those things where this is his chance to do it. He's firmly on the hot seat now. If he doesn't do it Saturday and, and Thursday, I do think it becomes fair to, I, I to think, ask the question I think he gets of the why. One more game. I think he gets the Capitals game too on that Friday. I, I think he gets two simply because I, here's, it's one of those things where you always want to make a coaching change in the NFL going into your bye week because it buys the interim coach two weeks, right? Um, so it's one of those things where, in theory, you should make the change after the Saturday game because you're going to get four practice days before the Devils game. So there is an opportunity for someone to ease into a line that they're unfamiliar with. Hmm. I just, I, 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 I think, think they're going to give him more of a leash, like than that. Yeah, with 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 Strom, it's just difficult because it, it's it's confirmation bias. He's doing everything we thought he would do in this line. It's frustrating because we're getting denied what should be a dynamic second line. I, I, I just it's. The, the biggest criticism you and I have had with Quinn since he's taken over is it does feel like different guys play by different rules. We, we've said it about Howden thousands of times, it feels like. We said it about Pionk millions of times. I, I just I – don't, I don't even think it's him playing different rules with Strom. It's just – it's like he asks his young players to score Bs on their tests – but with Anderson, it feels like if it's not a 100% A+, plus, then it's an F. And it, it's I, – I, we could be reading too much into this. It's two games. But it, it wasn't the first time that David Quinn has just straight up forgotten that a guy is on his bench, right? Leas Anderson did nothing wrong opening night. There was no reason for him to play less than 10 minutes on five, and five on five. Just no, no reason. But it's not the first time that Quinn has said after the game – there was a Filipino game last year where he played less than eight minutes, and Quinn was like, that's on me. I forgot. I need to be better about well, that. Well, apparently Quinn has a special agreement with Leas, or they have a certain understanding. That was the quote, I believe, from, from Vince Mercogliano. He asked about it. I don't, I'm not really sure. But it was like some something very ominous answer that was not helpful at all. But it's immediately after the first game, Quinn said how he needed to be better about getting Leas more ice time, and it's it, he said it about Heedle. So it's not the first time that Quinn has said those exact words about young centers he puts on the fourth line. I am fine if David Quinn wants to play his fourth line a certain way, especially considering one of the guys on the fourth line is Brendan Smith, who had a decent two games, credit where credit is due. Smith has not been a problem. It's just, if, if you're not going to roll lines evenly, you have to be more aware 
of a young player playing well and getting him more time. Leah Sanderson has played well. Leah Sanderson has played really well. Leah Sanderson has deserved a top nine role on this Rangers team. And the clear and obvious guy to move down is Strom because he just isn't doing anything. So it's, I'm not ready to to get the pitchforks out. I'm not ready to get me either. About it. It, I, I'm going to be just patient, an observation. Man. It's, it is an honest observation that for whatever reason, David Quinn has played by different rules, player to player. And that is a well, little, we've talked about this before, but Howden is all above the law. Just absolutely is just doesn't play by the same rules as everybody else. Not sure why have no idea, but we'll, yeah. I, I want Strom move down too, but I, I do not think, well, I think if he plays the same way, it'll be after the Capitals game. That's just the way I am. Let's um move on to our five-star questions, and then we'll go to Rick Carpinello. How's that sound, Greg? That sounds great. Okay, so if you're new to the show, five-star questions. We have a thing on iTunes where you can search on any Blue Shirts Breakaway. We will come up, leave a five-star review, and we will answer your question on the show. First question, or rather statement of the day. This is called, at the end of the day. Ryan, this question for me. What's the over-under for the number of times Greg says, at the end of the day, next episode? I saw the I saw the, that we opened the lines at five point five, but I think if you mention this to him, it'll drop to two point five. At the end of the day, Gregory, what do you think the line is? How many times have I said it today? Have you counted? I haven't. I really should have. I think it was like one. I think you were at one. So did I even say it once? I think you did. I think you slipped one. But I everybody everybody has we all do it their thing. Yeah, you yeah, and I everyone both do everyone it. has their thing. Uh, your thing was just our friend uh, hello, all the time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of um, stuff. I one of one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, sorry, they're not on the Athletic. Athletic. I'm about to plug a podcast. It is on don't do it. Don't do it. I don't believe but, it. But uh, don't believe it. It's the press box. They're great oh, okay, people. They've yeah, mentioned yeah. us before. That's true. Um, uh, Brian Curtis brought up to Dave Shoemaker that Shoemaker apparently always says, "I think that's right." After long pauses, like Curtis <laughs> will ask a question, and then a pause will happen, and Shoemaker sincerely we'll just say i think that's right um everyone everyone has their tick yeah apparently my, mine my, was my friend i do a couple of weird things too i'm sure people can call my shit out next one uh this uh, five stars funny as balls are balls funny you guys give me something to look forward to uh look forward to doing at work we're so happy to help you that was uh oh the first one was by stay the course sec this one's by ny fan one two 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 next five star question hi again this is from roselle seven uh the first two guys have been wild leah's tripped mika is leading the league in points Etc. What do you have to say to the people who had the New York Rangers last in the Metro? And what is your opinion of the new defensive pairs? We're going to get into the defensive pairs, I think, and I believe with Rick Carbonello in a few seconds. But what do I have to say to the people who had New York Rangers last in the Metro? Uh, that was me. Um, and I think still think I'm right. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Seattle Mariners win 13 of the first 14 games this year or something ridiculous? They, they like did. That? They did. Absolutely. Remind me. Did they make the playoffs? They did not. Gotcha. How many games out did they finish? I believe last year the Metropolitan started off very hot. Also, um, so yes, I know. I know this. I know this very well. Uh, what what I will say to you listening out there, there is still a strong chance that the Rangers finish at the bottom of the Metro or the bottom three. For real, it's it, it's no matter how good we're playing right now, but enjoy the ride. Enjoy what you have in front of you now because it's a long season and things are going to get rough at points. We're going to get angry, we're going to hug, we're going to cry, we're going to scream. And right now, Mika's killing it. We have, we're all, there's so many young, so much young talent. Artemi Panarin has never been more excited than anybody to play in New York. Things are great. So just enjoy it while it lasts, because I do think at the end of the season, we're going to be down there. But I, and I want to be, put this out there. I would be very happy to be wrong. 
but I would love a top 10 pick. Okay. Uh, last five-star question, then we'll get to our good dear friend Rick Carpanello. Uh, season so far, season, uh, this is from uh, RLA Rock 03. So far, off to a good start. I feel like the top line is carrying the whole team. The third and fourth line have chipped in a little here and there. The second line right now looks like a mess, as they're all individual efforts with no cohesiveness. With that said, how do you fix the Strom issue, and how much leash do you think he has? Unfortunately, we answered that already. Um, I, I do think it's going to be some time. I, I do think he has until next, the Capitals game, at least, to, to step it up. And he probably has earned that through his camp performance. Anything else to add to that, Gregory? I... It's every it's everything we've said, and yep. we're probably going to repeat some of it with Rick in all of six seconds. Okay, let's go ahead and transition over to our good friend Rick Carbonell, the Athletic Transition. Hey, we're back with our special guest of the day, our good dear best friend and coworker Rick Carpanello. Rick, what's it like to be working with us? It, it's you used the word special already, so I'll use it again. <laughs> it, it's special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a tremendous start to this working relationship. <laughs> HR, is that you out uh, there? Congrats, no, seriously, on a serious note, congratulations, guys. You Thank guys you. deserve it. You guys, are, you're a little bit crazy, but you do a really good job, and uh, I'm really happy for you. You know what the best part about this is, is? That you had no part in it. You didn't know until we told you, which was great. <laughs> I did not. I did not. I would have quit that day. I would have quit. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, let's get to some actual uh, Ranger news because I guess that's what we do. Yeah. Um, the defensive pairings changed up after the first game. Did Quinn make any comments uh, as to why he ended up doing those changes? Well, he didn't like what he saw, first of all. Um, and I think that uh, – and I'm just seeing something right now that Domestikov has traded to Ottawa. What? What? We're, we're breaking news right on no the air. No fucking way. I'm oh, sorry. I'm cursing already. Hey. I don't think you're allowed to say that now that you're in the athletic. That's too bad. We actually kept that in the contract. We're good. So, yeah, his agent is saying that Domestikov was traded. Wow. That's interesting. This is... So that's breaking. Breaking. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Hey, Uh, look at this partnership already. This is great. Emergency podcast right now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll we'll wait for the return, but uh, this is... Uh, Darren Darren Dreger says uh, draft picks. We just don't know how high. Okay, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, that's incredible. I did not think that would happen yeah. so quickly. Um, well, I guess yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Cap space. Yeah, so, that opens some cap space. First of all, um, it opens room for somebody else to get in the lineup. Now, I don't know if that's going to be Michael Haley or or. Uh, <laughs> uh, say it. You can say it. Greg McKeg. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know, you know, or if it means Filipinos coming up, or who knows. But uh, you know, I'm just hearing this as you are. So um, I know they've been trying to trade Domestikov. He had a pretty good game in Ottawa the other night, and uh, that's an interesting drill. It's good for cap space, that's for sure. That's That's something the Rangers were uh, desperately in need of uh, to sort of survive the long season of making moves between the AHL and such. Do you think, well? I mean, there was reports this week, rather, that – not reports, but this is what happened. Vertelli Kraftstoff uh, was sat in a back-to-back. Didn't really say why. They just yeah. said he was a healthy scratch. Kind of keep it a, a, yeah. a closed mouth on that. Do you think there's any chance he'll be one of the people called up? No. Okay. I that, don't. That's um, what I thought. I think that, you know, what I'm hearing about that scratch and that this is a – it's a teaching lesson. Um, it's something that, you know, we've seen all these Ranger youngsters go through. Um, late recently and as far back as I can recall as 
Zubov and Kovalov, uh, same thing when they went down, and they went down and they pouted and sulked. I don't know that domestic, I don't know that Kravtsov pouted and sulked, but I do know that they didn't like something they saw in his first game, and he sat the second game, and it's performance related. It's uh, it's a little kick in the tail that he has to be more professional. I think this is my speculation, but the speculation part is not that he was he was sat for performance reasons. That's not speculation. Um, so. Uh, I'm not surprised by it. Um, I think that it's good to nip anything in the bud if there is anything there. And, you know, it's good for the kid to to start his career on the right foot here. Um, and if, if being scratched once or maybe one, one more time uh, is what's needed, uh, I'm all for it. And I, I think the panic over such a thing that's widespread in Rangerland is absolutely insane. I agree. Uh, There's a lot of chatter that's like, is he going to go back to Russia? Like, no, man. He knows he's going to be on this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> he knows he's yeah. going to be on this team. It's written in the in the stars up there, as some popular song used to say. Like, Kreider's going to get traded. He's going to be up. He's talented enough. He knows he's talented enough. He's probably just upset that he got set down despite being one of the better players on the team, and he knows it. That's all. And, and it could, and it could, and it might not even be pouting. It might just be a natural letdown for a 19-year-old kid who was all excited to be in New York, and worked his ass off all summer long, and learned English to be here, and then he, and then he didn't make the team. So he, made, he didn't make the team. I, I'd, I'd be a little sulky too if that was me. But um, I, I don't think this re- has any reflection on what they think of him. It has no reflection on what he's going to be as a player. And he's not going back to Europe. So let's all just stop. Please. Can we uh, Rick, it's it's one of the it's one of the points that I've made time and time again, and I wonder where you land it. Why is hockey the one sport where fans get upset if a player doesn't play every game of every season? Basketball yeah. players, we, we know about the rest and all of that. It's I mean, I get it's a one hundred and sixty two length baseball season, but Stars don't play all 162 games, even the greats. Why is it with hockey that we always freak out when a guy doesn't play for a game if it's not well, yeah. expi- explicitly injury-related? Yeah, and I think there's uh, – I, I don't know the complete answer to that, but I think a lot of it is there's – for some reason, hockey fans gravitate toward the young players, and those are the guys who get disciplined. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to discipline Chris Kreider if he has a crap game, and he had a crap game. You know, you don't you don't need to discipline him for that. You need to discipline Pavel Buchnevich if he has a crap game. They disciplined the D'Angelo. crap out of him last year, so he got his right, discipline. Right, exactly. And and look what the result was. The kid's a good player now, and he's and he's and he's engaged more, and he's he's ready to play hockey, and he's ready to try to reach those those heights that they see for him. You you spank a kid when he's young, and you you try to get him to be a professional, and you try to get him to maintain a consistent. Uh, level of performance and effort, and when a kid doesn't have it, if if Kraftsov was lazy or pouty the other night, so be it. Then just you spank him, and and he comes back and he plays. And you know, Nemesnikov's a perfect example. Last year, right? I mean, he he was a guy who he got scratched like the second game of the season, if I'm not mistaken, or, or very early on, and he had a tremendous season for what he is. Um, so it, it works. You know, some guys it doesn't work for. JT Miller it never worked for. Uh, no. Anthony Duclair it's never never going to work for. Um, you know, there are guys like that. It's Josh Hosang. You know, it's never going to click in with those guys. But you know, you 
you think with a kid like Kravtsov, that's all he needs is to figure it out. And, and this is the time to do it. You do it now. Um, so anyway, going back to where were we? We're, we're at, at, uh, at well, Rick, just, just, uh, just to let you know, the, it's a 2021 fourth-round pick, defenseman yeah. Nick Ebert to the Rangers, and the Rangers are retaining $750,000 on the Mestikov's contract. Right. So I mean, I you know I don't know. Much it's a it's there. a fourth round pick. Ebert, yeah. from what I understand, is yeah. just a guy. He's a he's guy. Going, he plays. He's probably going to Hartford, he's probably going to go to Hartford and play in place of Kraftsov next game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be but that's the other, the that's what I was getting at too. That's the other part of the equation. The other part of the equation with this with this nutsiness over these kids being scratched is it always comes back to. Oh, this coach hates young kids, and oh, this coach wants to play Michael Haley instead of him. And that's just so not even close to, to the truth, especially this coach. Uh, this coach would love to have a team full of 22-year-olds, but, but these 22-year-olds have to learn lessons along the way. And if they don't learn lessons all the way, along the way, then A, the rebuild's going to fail, and B, the coach is going to get fired. And C, these kids are going to be they're going to be Michael Busto. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of my sermon. <laughs> oh, I love sermons. Uh, do you think? Do you think Vlad even packed up his bags? Do you? Can you confirm that he came back to New York? I actually talked to him today. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. All right, first reporting, Rick Carbonell. He flew yeah, back to. He's gonna fly yeah. back to Ottawa now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where the Senators are playing next, but yeah. And the poor kid has to play for that team. My God, that is not good. But it'll get. But it'll get ice time. <laughs> he might get top line minutes, so I guess yeah, good for he, him. I'm not really sure. This is that's the team that traded Eric Carlson, the team that the team that traded Mika Zibanejad, oh, uh, one Mark of the Stone. worst trades in history, and 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 one of the guy, the team that that signed Thomas Shabbat and is going to trade him after three years. So it's just a it's just a tire fire up there. Let's talk about Mika real quick because I see a lot of chit chatter yeah. on the internet's about you know how could they not give him the captaincy you know this especially after his performance for the two days. Now Mika's obviously a leader in the, in the clubhouse there mm-hmm. in the locker room, but is there was there any like talk or 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 chance that he could get the C in the season? I know that it was reports that there's no way they're naming anybody this season. We don't care about the captaincy that much, but I know a lot of people do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought that I thought it was coming, um, and I and I'm still almost certain that it'll be him when it comes. Uh, but maybe they just want to let the, let the team shake out a little bit and and not jump ahead of themselves. And there's no need to do it. Um, so maybe they just want to be sure and they make sure they have the right guy, and uh, maybe eliminate guys that aren't uh, that weren't here before, like like Truba. You know, do you want to know if yeah, suppose Jacob Truba comes in and becomes this great player, this great leader. You know, I'm not saying he is. Yeah. But yeah, you, know, you know, you want to leave space there. Um, you know, when Ryan McDonough was captain, they they kind of jumped into it, and I'm not saying that was a bad choice, but they did jump into it, and I'm not sure that they were sure. So, uh, you know, I I, I think it's going to be Mika at some point, but it doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be made now. So I don't really care when it's done same uh rick speaking of we don't really care when it's done something we might care about when it is done ryan strome second line center i think the three of us agree 
why the season started the way it did with him at the second line. Mm-hmm. At what point do you think we reach a tipping point where, all right, we got to try something different here? Yeah, uh, as soon as Heedle's ready. Um, you don't yeah. think Leas will ever – in your opinion, how, how do you feel Leas has played the first two games? Is he warranted a move like that? No, I think he's struggled. I think he, since he tripped over the court, he's, he's struggled. Oh, my God. And I'm not saying that – that I'm saying since that point, he has struggled. And uh, I think that would be way too much for his plate right now to be second-line center. Um, I don't think that's the reality of what they see him as right now. Uh, or in the near future. And so why shove that on him when you're giving it to a guy in Strom who should be better than he has been, <clears throat> um, but there are reasons for partial on other guys that he's not been good these first two games. Um, and he's a, and Strom's a good player, but he's not he's not in a position he should be playing. And I'm not saying anything and nobody knows. Everybody knows this. But I don't think... I don't think to put Leas Anderson there now is the answer. And I don't think that would be good for him to go into that position and fail uh, or to have pressure on him to A, defend and B, score at the same time. Um, I don't think that's, I don't think that's in the cards at all. I guess the follow-up for me is, you know, we don't get well, to watch. You really, okay. I, not, not to cut you off, Ryan, but you right. really think Leas has struggled, Rick? Yes. I don't, I don't think he's been, yeah, I thought, Two of the ga- two of the goals in the Winnipeg game were all over him, um, and I do. I think he's confidence is down a little bit, and uh, they don't want to give him that right now. But well, I don't think he's been terrible. I think there's been there's guys in the lineup that have been worse than he has, um, including one of another one on the second line, and uh, so you know I, I don't I'm not piling on the kid here, but I don't think I don't think he's ready for that right now. Well, I don't get to watch the practices, unfortunately. I would if someone paid me. Just saying, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not. I guess I shouldn't call out. They're not paying you to go to practice. They're unfortunately not. Uh, I want to talk to a mic, which also is uh, frivolous if I think about it. But uh, has Leas performed well in the practices? What has his game been like there? Yeah, I mean, he's been good. He's been, he was good in preseason, as you know. Yep. Um, yeah, I I think again this is a little overreaction because he scored a couple of goals and had an assist in preseason, and he's not seen as a top offensive center right now, um, or ever, or really ever, never was. But but he's not. They're not going to shove that down his throat now. There's no chance of that. I don't think. Um, so I think the Strom situation stays as the Strom situation until Heedle's ready and. Uh, you know, or unless they make a trade, and now they have a little cap space. But they, you know, you're not going to get a, you're not going to get a number two center for two million dollars in cap space, and or and or without trading a prospect or two. So I don't see them making that move. It, it, it's a move that doesn't need to be made now or this year, uh, even if you have to go with Ryan Strom for all 82, which no, well, well, it won't work out in wins and losses, but it, but. You know, you keep your eye on the big prize here, which is developing and, and rebuilding. So, uh, you know, you don't give up, in my opinion, assets, valuable assets, to get a second-line center who's not a true second-line center if you think you have a guy in Heedle who's going to be that someday. So uh, that, uh, that's my opinion. I but I don't see Anderson as the second center, uh, and I definitely don't see them 
putting him there now. Do you think they'll give him more playing time on, on the third, possibly, in the future? I guess this is just what... I'm always curious possibly. as to why Brett Howden is, you know, uh, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, favored by David Quinn. Yeah. Is there something yeah. that Brett Howden's doing in practice that I'm not seeing? Well, I, I think in practice and in games, uh, Howden just, they just love his motor. Um, you know, and they love... He, he, you know, he has the same defensive instincts as as Anderson does, but he's a better skater. He's a little bigger. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's a little more in people's faces, and uh, and he just goes and goes and goes, and he never needs a push. You know, he, the kid has never spent a minute in the minors, I don't think, right? So, no. um, so you know, I don't think second or third really matters at this point because they're both kind of equal. Those two lines. They absolutely are unless, right now. Unless, unless Haley's playing, but I mean, Brendan Smith is good a forward as as any freaking forward they have on the third line, which is sad. But Brendan's been good. Yeah, he has been good. No, he forward. has been. It's it's hard. It's and, he's going to be even better when Greg McKegg's centering him. He's going to be a star. <laughs> it's going to happen. Just let you know. I don't know when that's going to happen, but at any rate, it's not going to happen until they lose a game. So that's true. <laughs> but but uh, you know, I don't I don't think they favor Howden. I just think they really like Howden, and I don't think the third line is necessarily the third line, and the fourth line is necessarily the fourth line. I mean, if Leas Anderson is playing with Lemieux, uh, and well, now Nemestnikov is gone, but uh, and whoever that you could say that's the third line um, if he's playing with. Brendan Smith and Michael Haley, that's then he's then at the fourth line. Rick, you've obviously been covering the Rangers longer than Ryan and I have been alive. Yep. Question mark? Yep. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when uh when's the last time you saw a Rangers top power play unit as dynamic and effective as this current power play unit is? I hate to go there, but 94. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, seriously, um, you know, with Zubov and Leach, right? And you have a 50 goal scorer in the middle, you know, in front of the net. <laughs> and and one of the three best players, five best players of all time on the wing. And then, you know, take your pick. Tony Monte, Alex Kovalov, uh, you know. Take a pick, Steve Larmer. <laughs> so th- those four guys: Leach, Leach, Graves, Messier, and Zubov, uh, is better than this. Better than what they have right now. But, um, but since then, I can't think of a better one. It's been quite exciting. Uh, are you, as a person who covers the team, where you're like, okay, I'm, am I off for the next seven days because that's the next time the Rangers really play? Like, what was that like scheduling yeah. yourself around that? Yeah, the, the the only thing it does to me is I don't I can't play golf this week oh, on any of the days of practice. Are you okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be okay. like if they were playing a night, you know, if they were playing like Wednesday night and the Wednesday turned out to be a nice day, they might go out go out to play in the morning. Ugh, but uh, so that's not so anyway. Anyway, they're practicing every day except one. I don't know which one yet. What's well, good? At least they're getting uh, work. <laughs> they are, and they're, and they're doing the right thing, and they're working against what is a completely asinine schedule, and they, and they don't even know why this happened, and they hate it. Um, the coach hates it, the GM hates it, or Jim won't say he hates it, but he doesn't like it, and the players <laughs> don't like it. Off the record. And, and 
it, it's asinine. I mean, it's just completely asinine that you do this at this stage of the season, and it's not your bye week. You still have to do this again later. I believe the Leafs are playing like three back to backs in the next three weeks. So, and we're playing like five games total in four weeks. Right, and then, and then there's going to be back to backs up the wazoo. So, you know, it's not fair to the team that has to make make this up. It's not a good way for them to start a season. It's not, a, you know, it's a team that you think is probably going to have some struggles during the season. Doesn't need this on top of that. And, uh, and, you know, Quinn was talking today about how they went into that game Saturday saying, we're going to have to live with our performance and our results for seven days. And, and if they had lost that auto game, this would be just a freaking miserable week for them. And, uh, you know, fortunately they didn't, they played pretty well and they, and they did what they had to do, but, um, that that would have been awful. That would have been just a, one game in twelve days. Would have just been awful, and it, it it it's only slightly better because they won. You, you've done a good job of covering just about every Rangers angle thus far this season. But I'm going to ask the obligatory question that one in my position would ask one in your position: What is the Rangers storyline we're not talking enough about? What's the one thing that you think should be front and center? that for some reason has gotten pushed to the back burner. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, pro- I mean, there's probably a couple of things. One is not allowed, you're not allowed to talk about it among Ranger fans is that Mark Stahl's played pretty well. Yeah! Um, That's literally my next yeah. topic. Nice. Right? Yeah. Um, the other one is, the other one is, um, you know, Lundqvist gave up one bad goal and then that then was really good for two periods. Um, and Georgiev was really good for his three periods. So we haven't even scratched the surface on on the, the situation that's going to eventually arise with their goaltenders. Um, but you know, they're, they're, those are the few things for sure. Penalty kill did give up. Uh, I'm trying to remember how many goals and gets Winnipeg, but I think it's been really. But I think it's been pretty good. It was only one overall. Yeah, I, I think it's been pretty good. I mean, they killed the penalty on the six on four at the end of the game. At the end of that game, and. Uh, you know, I, I think that's been a that's been a plus too. Not just the power plays, the penalty kills been good too. And then maybe this one too. Truba is is a really good player, um, and and I really like the way he played with Hayek because I know we started this started talking about the defense pairs, but I think he he looked much better with Hayek than with Brady Shea. And Brady Shea is probably a topic all on his own that we could talk about. So. Um, yeah, you know, I really wonder if he's got what it takes to be a first pair. So how about how about that for a start? We've kind of gone into Brady Shea many times, but I want to talk about Mark Stahl before we get there. I, you know, yeah. I, I I thought to myself when I was watching the game, I was like, wow, Mark looks pretty good this game, and I immediately was yeah. fighting with people like seven people. I was surrounded. Like, yeah. no, Mark's been yeah. terrible. He's been the cause of many different goals. Yeah. I was like, listen, I I don't expect a lot out of Mark Stahl, and from what he has, it looks like he has fresh legs. It looks like he's playing yeah. physical. He's made some good defensive plays. I don't I don't know yeah. what more you want out of Mark. Like he's not gonna be a perfect number one pairing defenseman, but he's been really good for Mark Stahl this season for two games. Yeah. So don't be, attack me. Because he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to play that first pair matchup anymore. And, and I'll tell you, he got beat in a foot race. I can't remember who it was. It was two on two with with he and D'Angelo and somebody beat him to the net and Yargiev made a save. That's the only bad play he made. The people were on him for the goal by Kachuk when Kachuk cross-checked him, 
Stahl whacked him in the back of the leg, and they just battled. Stahl tied up his stick, gave him nothing, and the puck went off Kachuk's leg and into the net. And people blamed Mark Stahl for that goal. How? When he, right, exactly. <laughs> and, I, you know, I talked to Mark today, too, about, you know, when he gets pissed off, especially early in the game, like when Crosby has pissed him off or Ovechkin has pissed him off, those are his best games. And he competes a little bit harder in those games. And I think he's, you know, I'm not saying he's been great. I'm not saying they should put him back on the first line. But he's been fine. And, and, he, and he's been a, a big guy on the penalty kill. He had seven or eight blocks. His, his ankle was swollen to hell today. Um, and, you know, he's been really good. And, and no people just will not ever, ever let those words come out of their mouth. I'm gonna give. It I will. I will say on on the goal specifically. I, if I remember correctly, it, when I watched it live, it looked more like D'Angelo was out of position and didn't really know where he was on the ice than it was anything Mark Stahl did. And like it's it, it it does get tiresome. I think I even said it earlier on this podcast. You know what you're getting from a Stahl D'Angelo pairing. You know Stahl's gonna play. So at some point, it just it it feels too easy at times to to just be like, well, Mark Stahl shouldn't be in the lineup. Get, at some point, we all need to get over the fact that he's he's in the lineup. So then when he's yeah. in the lineup, are we getting the best we possibly could for Mark Stahl? Hard to say we're not right now. He's been yeah. fine. Mark Stahl yeah. hasn't been the problem. Yeah, and here's another thing. They're playing Brendan Smith as the, as the 13th or the 12th forward simply because they do not have another defenseman who can kill a penalty. They don't trust Shea, although he has to kill him. They don't trust the two rookies. They don't trust D'Angelo. So they have Truba, and they have Stahl, and Brendan Smith. And and then they have Mm. to put Shea out there. So that's why Brendan Smith is in the lineup, plain and simple. I mean, he's been really good as a forward, but that he does not playing because he's really good as a forward. He's playing because they don't have a fourth defenseman for a penalty kill. And they didn't last year, and that's why he played. And so, you know, if Stahl is, if Brendan Smith is in, is is playing on the penalty kill, then Stahl is like your stalwart, no, no pun intended. Um, and, and he is, and he's and he's pretty good on the penalty kill. He's got the long stick, he battles. Um, he doesn't have to deal with speed on the penalty kill, and uh, and I think he's really good in that position. And I think their penalty kill has been good. I think it was good last year, and I think, um, you know, so far this year it's been really good and. Here's another one that you hate to mention the name, but Lindy Ruff is in charge of the penalty kill. Mm. I'm not going there, though. Don't do it. (laughs) Uh, Let's just quick, before we let you go, I mean, we talked about Brady Shea, who kind of walked around him a couple times there. Uh, I think Greg and I have come to the conclusion on this show a couple times that we don't believe Shea would ever be a first-line defender. We kind of think he's paid like a second-line defender. Um, You obviously have seemingly leaned towards he hasn't been as effective as you'd like him to be. I would like to see more out of Brady Shea this year, season. Is that sort of what the coaching staff feels too? Yeah. I, you know, I think they, they were really hopeful that he could take that step up. Now, there was no evidence that he could. Um, they think he played better in the second half last year than the first half, and he, and he did, but he wasn't good. And I don't think he'd go out on the limit and say he was real good in the second half. Um, he's a guy who's got the size and the speed and the skill to be – at least a good second pair, and but he has the the hesitation and the indecisiveness, 
and the the lack of of decision making that require that is required when you're going to be that guy and uh, he hasn't shown that for in my opinion two seasons so um there's still a big uh, you know big question mark around him and what he's going to be i i really think that and you know people are saying well now's the time to trade him well now's not the time to trade him because you're trading you're going to be really selling low and uh you have to hope that he gets his game up and then either then he either is a good player or or you sell high but uh right now that's a big question mark I do think, and Ryan and I have definitely talked about this in previous podcasts, if you're building an ideal Ranger team, I don't think Brady Shea is ever your top-pairing left-handed defenseman. I think he's perfectly suited for a decent second pair, especially if you're – we we were cut short of what McDonough Shattenkirk could have actually looked like, but say say in a perfect world, and I know you, hey, you and I became friends over McDonough Shattenkirk, so this is going way back, Rick. Uh, um, Let's not talk about the stock. I just think, I just think in a perfect world, Shea is your solid second pairing left-handed defenseman, and honestly, I think, I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse of that with him and Fox. I don't think it's it's hard to judge a lot of what happened in the Ottawa game because right. it's Ottawa. It's Ottawa, right? But at the same right. time, both. Truba and Hayek, Shea Fox, those pairings looked good. It looked better. They're going to be challenged against Edmonton. Well, yeah. Truba and Hayek yeah. are going to be challenged against Edmonton because they're probably the ones that'll play yeah. against McDavid. But yeah. I, we might be trending in the right direction. And I, I just, I understand people getting frustrated with Brady Shea because they see the contract that he signed. But then you see yeah. other contracts being signed by defensemen who are even less defensively responsible than Brady Shea. Like Ivan Provorov, for as good as he is on the power play, not that good in his own zone, which is what you're supposed to do as a defenseman. And he's yeah. making more than Brady Shea will. So yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think, I think it's with Shea, me personally, it's just, it's not an issue of is Brady Shea going to be the player people want him to be. It's more about some people need to come to grips and change their definition of the kind of player that Brady Shea is. You're expecting too much from a guy that you shouldn't have been expecting that much from in the first place is where I come to with that, me. And that, that sounds really fair. mean, but I don't mean that to be really mean. No, and that's fair. And, and he's, he's another guy who's grabbed a little bit of leadership on the team and he, and, and he shot out of the gate, like he was going to be a really good player. Um, but at some point you had to say, you're right. You know, let's lower the bar and see if he have a good play. See if he's going to be a good player. He's not going to be a great player. He's not going to be a number one. I don't think. And and that's not a problem because guess what? Next year the cavalry comes. You know, all the, they got a zillion left-handed defensemen among their top prospects, and some of them are really going to be good. And uh, you know, you hope one of them is a one. And if one of them is a one, and Brady Shea is your number two, and then another guy comes up and he's your number three, replacing Mark Stahl, then you got something. Um, you know, you still need a righty probably somewhere along the line. But but well, you got you know, one. You got one righty. One single yeah. righty prospect, so we'll be all right. Yeah, and yeah, and, and you know, you think D'Angelo? Maybe he figured out last year. Maybe he's going to be a, he's going to be here for a long haul. You know, Trouba's going to be here. So, um, you know, their, their strength. There's no question. Their strength in their in their prospects is is on D, and it's mostly lefty. Um, but even Ryan Lindgren can play right. You know, he can play the right side. So. 
they're going to be they're going to be okay there. I don't have any problem with that. And Brady Shea, if he's the number two, so be it. But um, but yeah, and, and I also agree with with you guys that that he uh, that the, the four guys who switched pairs on Saturday night were much better Saturday night. And again, it's Ottawa. Rick, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your lovely, gracious night to come on and hang out on Bruce's Breakaway Podcast, the official podcast, New York Ranger Podcast of TheAthletic.com. Well, why don't you talk about what you do for The Athletic, my friend? <laughs> You're going to talk about what I do? Why don't, you, why don't you talk about what you do? We'll plug our own website, okay. right? Well, well, you know, I, <laughs> I cover the Rangers, but we don't cover sports like oh, most of the other outlets do, right? We, we mostly do, uh, you know, columns and features and, and opinions and I happen to do my wacky game reviews but mm-hmm. um, that you know so that's what I do and uh, we're, we try to spend a lot of time around the team but we don't necessarily churn out you know days worth of copy we don't necessarily give you the line combos or the you know what they worked on in practice today we don't we don't do that kind of stuff at the athletic we we do the the meteor pieces and I'm actually trying to trying to find some of those this week uh, with with the downtime. So, um, but uh, I've, I've been doing this for a long time, and and doing it this way is still very new to me. And <laughs> I'm trying to not be a newspaper man anymore. <laughs> so it's it's an adjustment, but uh, uh, it's a it's a great place to work, and uh, and it certainly is a great site for anybody who cares about hockey. And if you want to well, join right. The Athletic today, you can go to theathletic.com slash BSB, get 40% off your first year subscription, and support us and the podcast. Thank you so much. Nice plug. Sweet, That, was, that was good, Again. right? <laughs> Rick, I know, uh, I, know, I know the Rangers don't have a game until Saturday, and then I know they don't have a game until Thursday after that. You got both Ryan and my phone numbers. If you want to do our big fluff profile piece, we're very ready. Oh yeah, Church of Chicago, <laughs> me and Greg. Yeah, we'll do it. Nope, don't worry. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna hold off and, for a little while on okay. that after seeing that. Concert. I get, I get it, I get it. You got a buy, you got a buy week. You have to think about yeah, the future too. True. I get it. 100. All right, Rick. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. Peace Congratulations out. again. Good luck. Of course. All right. Thank you, Rick. Transition to the end. Hey, we're back. Always a great time with Coach Rick. Love that coworker of ours. Yeah, he's amazing. Sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Domestikov news. Yeah, so let's let's talk about um, that for a little bit before we end the show, right? Uh, because, well, that's obviously the big breaking news, especially over the next couple of days. I don't think anything other else major with the Rangers is going to happen. I don't expect any other big trades. I do think this was to sort of make salary cap room. Uh, if I'm Ottawa, I'm thinking automatically, right? This is an asset I could trade at the deadline for more than a fourth-round pick. Similar to what has we to did. to be. Similar to what we did with McQuaid last year. Like, we thought we could trade him for more. We didn't. I think we traded him for a little bit less, but I, you, a little, little bit less in, in terms of if the Rangers had simply kept their own fourth round pick, it would have been better than the fourth round pick they got back. Correct. But that, they have to think that they could trade Vladimir Mestikov for a second or a third later on this season. I can't think of especially, another especially if they retain salary in yet another deal, right? Because the Rangers, so the Rangers retained 7,500,000. 7500 $750,000. Yes. Which means he's now 3.25 for the Senators. So if the Senators retain another 50%, all of a sudden you're trading for a guy for only 1.75 on your cap. And Nemestikov is definitely worth more than 1.75 million and they're gonna, on your cap. And so they're they going to want to have second round pick for that. And somebody will probably and, pay it. And as, as bad as the Senators are, they're the perfect team that's going to give Nemestikov constant top six minutes because 
who the fuck else are they going to play in the top six? And they're going to raise um, his value. So it does kind of make yes. sense as an Ottawa center. It makes it makes more sense if you're Ottawa. Yeah. And if if you're if you're the rain if you're a Ranger fan, you're trying to criticize it. I don't really think you can, right? Because they're well, the Rangers are going to bind. It's not like Vladdy's yeah. doing anything for the team. No, and it should the Rangers have been able to get more for Vlad Nemestikov just based on his talent alone? Check yes, it. I think I think we both would have said before the season started if the Rangers had gotten anything less than a third round pick, it would be a little bit disappointing. I'd call it a failure. But a couple things happened. A couple a couple things happened. One, if the Rangers could have gotten more for Nemestikov before now, they would have. He's been very available since the day he signed his two-year extension with the Rangers. I, it's, it is, we're not breaking news. They wanted to trade him at last year's draft before they signed him as an RFA. They couldn't. There were rumblings about them trading him at last year's All-Star, uh, not All-Star break, trade deadline. Nothing came together. They were dying to trade him at this year's draft. They couldn't. The Rangers knew they needed to clear salary before they waived, uh, excuse me, yeah, bought out Kevin Shattenkirk. They couldn't. There wasn't a market for someone like Vlad Nemestikov. Think about it. The Ottawa Senators are not a contender. The the people we thought would have wanted Vlad Nemestikov, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Colorado Avalanches of the world, those teams, they're very happy figuring out the first two months of this season what they have. They're not looking to add from the outside yet. The only teams looking to add from the outside are a team like the Senators, who, if they're smart, will use Nemestikov purely as an asset. They the Rangers. To. Well, I don't know if they have to. They're they're not the best franchise, but yes, they're not the best run franchise. We 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 cracked a couple jokes at the Senators' expense already today. We don't need to do it again. But it's it's one of those things that the Rangers didn't have better options, and they didn't want to wait until the all uh, the trade deadline because, quite honestly, Nemestikov's value is not going to get higher than it was for the Rangers. This is a guy that already got demoted in Quinn's system to the fourth line. A fourth line, by the way, that includes Brendan Smith, who we just had Rick Carpinello on this podcast explain to you how Brendan Smith is not playing because he's a good fourth line forward. He's playing because the Rangers don't have penalty kill defense. Honestly, I thought that was a great insight from Rick. I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually learning, which is rare. uh, it's, It's one of those things where at some point, if you're Jeff Gordon, you just need to take a step back and say, if this is what I'm going to get, this is what I'm going to get. And now the Rangers are in a perfect position where if Lemieux's going to get the first crack at third line winger minutes, I, this has no this has no immediate impact on Vitaly Kravtsov, but it does have long term impact on Kravtsov because if Kravtsov gets his game together in Hartford, Brendan Lemieux's not a guy the New York Rangers are going to get hurt out of nowhere if they move him back down to the fourth line. It's where he started the year. So if the Rangers put him back where he started and decide Kravtsov is going to get third line top nine minutes, they have a wide open avenue to do that now. So we were complaining in training camp how the Rangers had a glut of wingers. They had too many that weren't exactly good enough, but were good enough to prevent the kids from getting in the lineup consistently. The The dam's been broken. Nemestikov is out. We're, it's safe. I, I, you and I would still be stunned if Strom lasts the entire season. We'd be even more stunned if Kreider lasts the entire season. If Kreider is on the Rangers after the trade deadline, I consider that an absolute failure. It would be stunning. So it's it's just, this isn't the world's greatest trade. This isn't Jeff Gorton pulling a Jeff Gorton where he flips an albatross into something good. This isn't 
Pionk for Truba, right? At the same time, this is Jeff Gordon understanding a better trade offer probably wasn't coming around. He didn't want Nemestikov's value falling any further than it already has. He got cap space that he desperately De- needed. We're, the Rangers we're talking up, real desperate for, by the, the way. The Rangers opened up more than $3 million in cap space in this trade. And he created an opportunity where whenever they want to call up Hedl or Kravtsov, it's now right there for them. They got nothing holding them back. This was the domino that had to fall for the Rangers to be freewheeling with both Hedl and Kravtsov. So – in terms of the in terms of what the Rangers got back for Nemestikov, it's not as important as the cap space and the flexibility. It's that simple. So, it's a decent deal. It's not a deal any of us should get upset about. The Rangers miscalculated the entire Nemestikov market from the jump, but say la vie, it's over. Here we are. And just let's let's put this all let's put this other in perspective, Ryan. So, when my dad was on the podcast, we broke the Truba news. Oh, I see what you're when, going for. When our podcast dad, Rick Carpinello, is on the podcast, we break the Nemesnikov news. When my so dad's what, on the podcast. <laughs> what, when your dad's on the podcast, we're going to break like Bunieves yeah. is in New York. Well, like it, I can't even imagine. It's going to be the worst news of all time. Um, dad, dad, dad rankings, though. It's just, it, it's interesting. I don't think Pop, I- Papa Kaplan's still number one with Truba. But Papa Carpinello. Coming in there with the juice. Not sure my dad ranks. Um, before we go, I'd like to just thank The Athletic for putting us on the staff, obviously. I don't know if we're on the staff, but letting us work with them. You can go to theathletic.com slash BSB today, become a member of The Athletic, 40% off. On us. It's on us. And I'd also like to thank those who have supported us along the way, including Brian Doyle, Tori for Manhattan, Thomas O'Neill, Eric Stagg, Mike Smith, Ben Weber, who we saw at the game, Johnny Thundercock, who we also saw at the game, Ben Waters, and of course... Uh, we also have James Michael and a couple others. Oh, and how could I forget Sean Taggart, who I believe is starting a uh, Hartford Wolfpack podcast. So good for Sean. Follow him um, if you're interested in the Wolfpack at all. So anything else we want to get to before we leave our new athletic friends for the day? Uh, so then, yeah, I mean, is that what you're doing? There are things I want to say that you're not letting me <laughs> you're, say. Yeah, I, I just want to say it's the first. I just want to say yeah. while you're not letting me say those Let's things. Let's get warm first, you know. Before we do this okay, again, fine. you know? Okay, fine. And we we should remind people, mm-hmm. with the athletic comes the big, oh, yeah. the biggest change we got. Yep. Uh, if you do have an athletic subscription, and again, if you want that athletic subscription, we're trying second episode. We're trying to give you forty percent off before this happens, but we will be back Friday morning with a second episode, and we'll have our friend Marat Marat Atesh from the Athletic Winnipeg coming on to talk Metro hockey with us since. Who better to talk Rangers, Devils, and Islanders than the guy who follows the team that has played the Rangers, the Devils, and the Islanders? Okay. This It won't be as long as our flagship, which this is. Mm-hmm. We'll probably be in the 35-minute, 40-minute range every week. It'll live behind the paywall. But it, we're doing it. So you guys might as well come join us. Sometimes we accidentally do an hour, and we're like, oh, man, we did an hour. Yeah, well, but come along for the hang. It won't. We're going to do our very best not to cover overlapping topics so that if you don't have that paywall, you're not hearing something twice. Um, but we're, we're going to have fun with it. And it's it's going to be a challenge. Lord knows I don't want to talk to Ryan more than I already do. So it's true. buckle up. Real, It'll be fun. Real quick, real quick nonsense. I haven't really eaten uh, – I've eaten really, very healthy for two and a half months. I got my cholesterol test today. I don't know what the results are, but I immediately went and ate 
like a four four from Wendy's, a chicken spicy chicken sandwich, and a burrito and a half and two tacos, and just gorged myself. Now I don't know. Real, that's not a good idea, but I did it immediately. <laughs> real, 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 real quick. Since I haven't mentioned them once in this entire podcast, hey, and shout come, out to the athletic for not doing that. Here they come. Uh, I am uh, I am preparing myself for the Joe Girardi era, and I have mixed feelings about it, Ryan. You should, because I I didn't cover Joe Girardi, but I've spent a lot of time watching Joe Girardi manage games, right? And I just I know he's a by the book guy. He's a really calm personality, a calming presence, but. Man, I would not be thrilled if I was you. Um, it's not so much that it, it's this is this is the weird conflict you have as a Met fan, right? Welcome to the Joe Girardi. Extra, by the way, this is basically it. This is basically <laughs> it. This is the thing with Joe Girardi. Yeah. It, it's it's almost like for the first time in my Met fandom life, mm-hmm. or at least the first time since Willie Randolph was around. Joe Girardi's kind of boring, and boring isn't exciting and sexy, but when you're the New York Mets, maybe boring is what you need. I have made my opinions very clear. I am a Carlos Beltran stan dating back way back when, and it makes a whole lot of sense I, for Beltran to come I think Beltran here. would be the best option, personally. I, I do, too. And if not Beltran, my number two is still Joe McEwing. I'll ride or die with Joe McEwing until he literally retires from coaching in baseball. It... it I don't think I I have the responsibility to be upset if the Mets hired Joe Girardi. I just also hope they don't, if that makes perfect sense. I do want to, since we're talking baseball, my Rays. All they have to do now. Yeah, they did well today. They did well today. Yeah, well, uh, Cranky was throwing change-ups over the middle. It was not great a day for Cranky. But all they have to do now, super easy, beat Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole back-to-back. Woo! It's going to be... No, did Garrett Cole break the strikeout record for 15 Ks in the playoffs? Yeah, he did. Okay, whatever. Um, so yeah, we'll he's su- pretty good, huh? Yeah, I, I, uh, Astros Yankees is going to be a hell of a fucking series. Tell you that. All right. Oh, the fucking Nationals are winning. Well, that won't last. Well, so we I, we cursed a little bit last day. A lot of f bombs, but we did a great job. So uh, I didn't say anything worse than fuck. So it's true. Athletic, you're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're you're welcome, buddies. All right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at oh Ryan Mead. Oh Ryan Mead. Greg's at Blue Shirts Break. Because Blue Shirts Breakaway is too long for Twitter. We're going to have this fat blue check mark soon, maybe. Who knows? Uh, but follow us there. Thanks, everyone, for who met me at the game, supported me there, and my uh, Kapopa tire, took pictures, etc. Go to churchcaco.com. Check that out if you want. See uh, some of our new merch. And sign up for The Athletic at athletic.com slash BSB. 40% off on us. Love you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Whoa. That's weird. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.